0: Welcome back once again to Afternoons with Mike. Couldn't be more excited to share my guest with you today for the second time on the line with me from New York, actually, right now, is John Tesh. Just a little bit about John. He is an Emmy Award winner. He has he has uh, two Grammy nominations, four gold records. He has written a theme song that every basketball player would know the moment they heard it from NBC, NBA sports, and that's all about the guy that we have today. But the most important thing about this man, he's a man of faith. He loves the Lord, and he is with us today. John Tesh, it's great to have you, my friend.
1: Thanks. Thanks. It's great to talk to you again.
0: You know, we got together the last time, and during that conversation, I, I had just gotten to know you a little bit before in another conversation, and then we got to spend that time together. And John, I, I'm just so grateful for you, and and really the life that you are leading. Uh, you're still involved in the whole uh, California area. You are part of Hollywood in that sense. You're part of the media, and there are so many things going on that I know. No, you have to stand up along with your wife Connie both of you believers and you have to stand up for the Lord and so I just want to say a friend thank you for the way that you keep your faith front and center.
1: Thank, thanks for saying that I apologize for the background noise by the way I'm in uh, JFK and you know it's um, uh, the reason we're here because we do live in Los Angeles now because a dear friend of ours uh, was in hospice and he passed on uh, last night but I have been speaking of faith is to you know i have rediscovered the the holy spirit that sounds so weird i know to christians but just the the leading uh and showing me things to come and and even even speaking in 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 tongues and unknown language and praying that way is that we were just you know he was sick our friend and and this this speaks to everybody by the way and and we just i you know we were gonna they were saying oh he's probably gonna last two or three more weeks and we'll plan a funeral everything and And I said to Connie, I said, Connie, I feel I feel this 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 tug that we need to go now and and pray with him. And she said, let's go. So we jumped on a plane, flew to New York. And then when we got there, you know, he was in, in really bad shape. And for the whole day yesterday, we were able to just lean into him in the bed and pray into his ear i mean i went through the whole book of romans twice oh my goodness and 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 did the sinner's prayer with him and just said because you know you know research tells us right that the the hearing is the last to go and 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 that's why so for people who are listening if you're going through this with a family member or a friend you know you can't let doctors come in and start speaking death over your over your friend or your family member you can't do it yourself you have to leave you know but understanding right. that the hearing is like so um it was it just slowly but surely and we just guided him into heaven and i've I, i've i've only had a few experiences like that but this was the most compelling and and the big lesson for me was was listen to the whole if you, if you have that yearning you know if you're getting that message that we usually call our conscience, right? To get that message, you know, just go and and, uh, understand that it's what you were meant for. And so... It was really a remarkable moment for us in the family.
0: You know, I'm just uh, listening to you tell this story. I'm reminded of of that role the Holy Spirit uh, plays that was promised by Jesus, actually, in uh, the book of John, when he said, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And he'll remind us of the words that Jesus spoke and his activity in our hearts. I was talking with a pastor here, a, a pastor that was the longtime pastor of First Baptist Church, and he not, this is not. Coming now from a a church that you would normally think of as a Pentecostal church, it's a Baptist church. But he is very much a believer that God gives these impressions, just like what you're saying urgent impressions. Pray with this person right now, talk to this person right now. And Jim gave stories about how he would often uh, just be passing by somebody after greeting them and suddenly getting one of those impressions in his heart and he would stop and he would turn around so shocked afterwards how the lord would use moments just like that man i have no doubt you heard from the holy spirit
1: oh a- a- amen and i you know there's a great book actually by francis chan uh, uh, forgotten god and i've read that yes. a couple of times it's just about how how we as, uh, as christians as human beings as churchgoers even have forgotten what jesus left for us which was that supreme power of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the, of the Holy spirit. And, um, and so, yeah, so I'm, you know, and my, and my wife is so, Connie is so tuned into this. So I, you know, we, we sort of follow each other's, uh, leanings, but especially in these times where a lot of folks are just losing <clears throat> for many reasons, they're losing hope Yeah. that, you know, just studying. And, and you know, what's really cool about, uh, about, you know, everybody hates social media and all this, that stuff, but what's really great about YouTube is that you know I can find stuff from Billy Graham instantly I can find stuff from from Derek Prince even I love his stuff
0: oh yeah um, and
1: just you, you can, and you can find things from John G lake who is for people who don't know John G lake he was it uh, he was famous for emptying hospitals just 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 relying on the scripture that I have uh, in, in my heart day and night uh, you know in the middle of a, of a bad cancer battle which is mark 1123 you know speak to speak to the mountain. Right And so uh, and so yes, yeah, so yeah, I got another dose of, yeah, John, I told you you're listening to the Holy Spirit.
0: And that always changes us, doesn't it? When we get those and it it draws draws us back to center. Uh, You know, I'm just so grateful to know that uh, you have been touched by God and you mentioned the cancer battle that you went through. You told us that in our previous broadcast that we did together. And it was so inspiring, but we realized that the mountain of cancer is no comparison to God. And we know that God doesn't always heal every person that's sick or every person that has cancer but that doesn't mean he can't and it doesn't mean that he won't he does and through that we just we follow the lord we trust the lord but boy i i know that when once you've gone through what you've gone through you're not going to be dissuaded by anyone telling you that god doesn't heal that god doesn't allow us to move mountains that's just not true
1: yeah you know it's uh, listen the, the worst thing we can do is facilitate uh satan's wishes which is to keep us sick and so um it's it's right there in the bible proverbs eighteen twenty one, which is death and life are in the power of the tongue and so if you really want to make yourself sick if you want to really create lack in your life just start speaking that all of that stuff sickness lack over your body and you'll see you'll see what happens i don't recommend it
0: Right. Um, and so you
1: know <laughs> our, our friend An- yeah yeah our our friend Andrew Womack from uh, Karis Bible school yes uh, who teaches primarily healing he uh, he has this great line where he says you know stop stop talking to God about cancer talk to cancer about God speak to you know speak to your body so we do that we do that all the time and to give yourself the best chance of surviving um you know, if, if you will have what you say, let's just leave it at that.
0: Right, and you know, if you've, if uh, our listeners just tuned in and they're wondering who it is that I'm sharing with, this is John Tesh, his wife Connie Selica, uh, an actress for many years, known by many around the world for her roles on television, especially. These two are are uh, celebrated people by uh, just about every accord, and yet are really given over in faith to Jesus. And so if you've just tuned in, uh, John was stricken a number of years ago. John, why don't you recap a little bit about that story of uh, the diagnosis that came, the shocking diagnosis, and what happened in your life?
1: Yeah, well, I was it was uh, 2000, May 2015. And I just went in for a routine exam uh, to my general practitioner and a family doctor in I walked out of there with 18 months to live basically oh. i was a rare a rare form of prostate cancer that didn't make any blood markers um but the the the, uh, the dre the digital rectal exam was what found it that's why i'm, I'm always on this uh, yeah, I, i'm always out there saying hey don't just rely on on, on blood tests you need to get the, yeah. whole, the whole test and uh and so we we just i mean i i, I basically just gave up i became a cancer patient because uh, I sort to get my affairs in order, which is what the doctor told me to do anyway, and so um, uh, we we ended up landing. I mean, we found we some great doctors, but we also, as I had mentioned, we ended up landing on Mark 11:23. Whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed," uh, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will be done, shall have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever you ask when you pray. Believe that you've already received it, and you will have it. Jesus, Jesus speaking, and that's what gave me hope. Right. So right. I, I, we had that. We had it. We had the scientists. We had the doctors, and then we just listened to the Holy Spirit, who said, "No, don't get radiation. Do this instead." You know, because you have all these, all these different options, and I was able to, you know, there's so many people in the, in the, in the healings in the Bible, especially in the book of Matthew, where the, the folks that got healed had expectation. So there was blind Bartimaeus. There was the you know the, the the classic story of the woman with the issue of blood. who just reached out and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so expectation is really important. And, mm-hmm. and I, I've, I've even learned that from following you know high-profile athletes when I was working for for uh, CBS Sports. What what they the difference that they had over people that were just as talented was if they were able to visualize winning. They were able to visualize success they were able to visualize being champions and so we just started visualizing our victory over cancer with that scripture in Jesus name
0: you know when you look down like the, like what you're saying i've heard that often from pro runners or people who are running marathons and they're in the Olympics or whatever. Uh, I think of Madeline Manning Mims years ago when I was able to talk with her after she won the gold medal. It, it's that very thing. They came, just like the rest of us come, to points along that journey, along that race where it feels like they have nothing left, but yet they looked deep within. They they reached down and somehow got a hold of something that was left and, I, and so often. Often for a believer, that is the hope of Jesus that when we don't see anything else, we reach down, we have that, we've not lost that. And that little act right there is what pushes them to that next burst of energy to get over the finish line.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the, and then the other thing that, that you, you learn, and I just turned 70 years old and took me this long, the other thing I, you learn is that you need to surround yourself with like-minded people. Wow. Um, That's so because true. Because if you if you are not, if you are unequally yoked with, uh, with people who don't, don't believe, I mean, I mean, it's great. Listen to minister to, to anybody and everybody. But if, if somebody comes like my, my wife, when I was so sick, you know, on and off for seven years, she wouldn't let anybody in the hospital rooms, uh, who would, 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 would do anything but pray with me, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it cost us a few friendships, but she was, she, she was, uh, she was the gatekeeper, you know, she was the gatekeeper for my life. And, um, and I'm, I'm here because of that. And because of our, our belief together in the fact that God, the true nature of God is health and healing and that God wanted me well.
0: I'm so glad you said that because that was my next question to you. The role of having a praying wife when you're uh, struck with something like this and you've been given a diagnosis that's dire like you were, uh, it is so helpful for, for the ladies to have a husband who is speaking faith over them, who is not letting them get their eyes off of God, off of the healer. Uh, that really is a major benefit to have, isn't it? As a, as a married couple, to have a, a, a spouse of faith as you do.
1: Well, yeah, and you have to have somebody who actually uh, has, uh, has has the strength to stand up because, and this is, this is really a message for the ladies out there, because we will listen to you if you're touched. We will listen to you if you say, I'm not going out with you. Unless, uh, unless we, well, here, here's what my wife said. It was, it was, 31 years ago and I had met her and I was smitten and I asked her out for, for brunch on a Sunday and she said one of our first dates and she said, well, if you want to hang out with me, you need to come to my church. And I was like, ah, you know, I went through the whole Methodist thing. I've, I've completed that course, you know? That's where yeah she she would not let me talk around it she you know she said that's that's where I'll be and so it ended up being a, a messianic congregation um, Jews and Christians together and I would say within it was it was it was supernatural for, for me and I would say within two years um, I was a leading worship in the in, in the church and so it was just but it was her standing up and saying um, this is this is who I am if you'd like to come on, uh, you know, it, and, and not like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, are you a Christian or you're not a Christian or whatever? She's just like, this is what I'm doing. You want to hang out with me? We're going to be hanging out in, in, uh, in this, in this church. And it was a magnificent experience too, because it wasn't, I mean, there are, listen, there's dogma and everything, but this was not a dogmatic church. This was like a hundred people in there. Like I said, Jews and Christians together, Jews who believe in, in, in mm-hmm. Jesus as the Messiah and Christians. Right. And, uh, but it was more like a Bible study. And I, I had, I had been through in the church that I was in on Long Island. This was in the 1950s and 60s. I had been through a lot of religiosity, and you know the the church at that time it was it was very close to um, just being rote. At least that particular church, the rote playing, a repetition, saying repetition of prayers, and and so this was new for me. And all of a sudden, I began to deliver a, uh, or I guess I began to understand how important it was to have a different relationship with Christ. Yeah. And, but that was that power of her just and and you know, there's so many people are afraid to stand up. I was too, you know, when I was, when I was younger, but it was very simple. If you, if you want to meet me, you're going to have to meet me here.
0: Mm. That's powerful and it's needed. That's what everyone needs to be doing. We need to really look for relationship, not religion. And if we find ourselves kind of mired down in a place that is only rote and there's no life It might be the Lord, as you mentioned earlier, could well be the Holy Spirit leading you to a place just like what happened to you. And you got with people who believe in the power of God. What a difference relationship makes, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, and it's it's really fascinating when, you know, when we go out, we still do concerts, live concerts. And when, when I used to try and share the gospel in the middle of a secular venue, It was tough and you can see we even got comments you know online from people saying i didn't pay for this you know i I didn't pay to come to church but when you have a testimony and it doesn't have to be a cancer testimony mine happens to be you know a healing testimony when you have that kind of a testimony you get people's attention i mean i even show pictures on a screen behind me of what i looked like when i was going through treatment and then the victory afterwards you know and then you just say you know this is this is you can have this you know, you can have this power uh, and uh, it's, it, it has become, you know, a de facto ministry for me, which used to be just live concerts.
0: Wow. We've got John Tash on the line today, and I love this story. I love seeing a man who is on fire for God, who has been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, who has been healed in Jesus' name, and not afraid to share that with his audiences around the world. We'll be back with John. He's coming to our area next month, so we'll hear more about that in our next segment. John Tash is with me. We'll be back with John in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study, an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millenia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. It's really enjoyable to have John Tesh on the line with me. This is his second time on my program got to meet him back a number of months ago. John has a daily radio program that is on one of our sister stations in Gainesville, and he is known around the world from his years in uh, sports, uh, as a news anchor, uh, as the the host of a, a popular entertainment program that was on for a really long time, and I love this about John Tesh. He's known for his music. And it's really that, isn't it, that's bringing you to the villages next month. A concert, and I I think the title of the concert is so great, John Tesh, A Jazzy Swingin' Christmas. Now that's going to be one fun concert.
1: Uh, it, it'll be fun for me. <laughs> I think it'll be fun for everybody. But, and I, but I think that you know, as long as you, as long as the band uh, is, uh, and for those of you who are wondering what's going on behind me, I'm in, I'm at JFK Airport getting ready to get on an airplane. But I wanted to have this conversation because it's important. Um, the I grew up as a kid in. Uh, I was born in 52, 1952 and so uh, it, I, I grew up with big band music. My dad was a World War two veteran. This is the kind of music jazz and big band swing glenn miller orchestra you know uh, uh, benny goodman he listened to that on arms armed forces radio when he was on a uh, a naval amphibious assault craft in the, off the coast of okinawa in, in the 1940s and so that's all we had playing in our house was, was this music and so i learned how to play uh trumpet and then my my mom had put me in front of a piano when i was six years old i couldn't go outside and play with the other kids until i practiced for two hours a day so there was always music in the in the house and um you know fast forward to my college years and beyond is i got i ended up getting into the media world you know as a journalist and also as a as a broadcaster but i, I always see people uh, my parents and my, my wife are like i you know you need to save some money but every bit of money that i made when i was doing that well i would buy a piano i would buy a recording device <laughs> i you know i, I play play free concerts you know that that kind of stuff because that was that was always my my passion but also understand, understood. That I had to feed myself, but um, I, I miss the, ninth, the sound of the 1950s, 1960s. And, and our audience is, you know, is people 45 years old plus, and and it'll be like that at the Villages, uh, or 50 plus maybe at the Villages. But it, it's um, that's the type of music. These these arrangements, big band arrangements of Christmas songs, is what I grew up with. And there, the cool thing about big band music you know trombones and trumpets and saxophones and and you know the whole band is that it has two or three things one is uh well of course the songs are recognizable that's the way a lot of these songs were originally arranged these christmas that's how everybody heard them and the other thing is that the music is complicated enough with jazz voicings and things that it doesn't get old and then it's danceable so it has three or four elements there that, that, that that ensure that it won't get old, and it never has, and it's coming back, you know, even stronger than it was in like the last ten years.
0: Now, for you to become a composer of this kind of music, uh, that surely means that you are, had to study a very, a very intricately the different instruments, and you have to know all of these different. Uh, Things uh, that uh, other instruments uh, bring, if you will, to uh, the the table because not everything is pitched in the same uh, uh, register and and you have something that's an instrument of E flat and you're playing in this key, you have to transpose, all of that stuff. How did you learn all of that?
1: Well, now suddenly in this interview, we have crossed over into ner- nerding out. <laughs> so the fact that you the fact that you asked that question the way you asked it means that you play an instrument. So what do you play?
0: I play guitar, and I also uh-huh. grew up playing
1: alto saxophone. Right, which is which is an E flat. I've That's always, an right. E flat. That's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I mean, the the well, you know the interesting thing is it sounds so complicated, but but music for the most. I mean, you got to practice, but it, there's also a lot of math there, as you know. I mean, oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, and for me, I play piano, which is in concert C, and I play trumpet, which is in concert B flat. So I was always doing <laughs> doing math, but yeah, you you do you to, to your point. You you when you're when you're writing a song you you need to know what the ranges are and um and certainly for your own voice if you're writing a song that you're gonna you're, you're going to sing and that's the real fun of it the, the other thing that i love certainly about a big band is is dynamics you know most of those when you saw glenn, glenn miller orchestra when you saw benny goodman when you saw sinatra and even today when you see michael buble a lot of those guys they will buble is plays these in these massive uh venues but but for, for for dance halls and things and sometimes we'll play in a in, in a jazz club you, there's no amplification because because the horns are loud. Right. And so and so everybody has to has has to listen to everyone else. And that that's that's really I always recommend when people say, Hey, what should I get my kid into? In, 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 what instrument should my kid play? And I'm always saying a band instrument. And they're like, What? And so, Yeah, they can play piano or they can sing, but sitting in a band, which it sounds like you've done, sitting in a band with like six other trumpet players and you know and and fifteen saxophones, whatever. You have to learn how to blend. And and you you have to actually read that music. that shows that, 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 that if there's a diminuendo there there you know diminuendo, you you need to read that and you need to you you need to be more dynamic. You need to play softer in these places so that people can hear the flutes, for example. You know, so that that, that camaraderie is something that is missing in a lot of schools today because music's been taken out. Yeah. But but get your kid into the band, man. And I mean the, the, and the the um, the discipline that it takes to do that and the camaraderie are, are you can't duplicate that in anything.
0: I agree. You know, I'm so glad I hear you use the word geeked out and nerd and, and all of that. That That's that's exactly what I'm glad I didn't realize how much of a, a nerd I was when I was in school, in elementary school, because I was carrying my instrument, my saxophone every day, backwards and forwards, and practiced at nighttime. And I'm so grateful that I, I didn't know that that was not necessarily a not cool thing by some people's imagination, but it brought great joy. And it brought, uh, like you said, the ability to have camaraderie in an orchestra. I was privileged to play both in an orchestra and in a band in high school and in, a, in a, uh, a kind of a jazz band that played for our basketball games. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, we played modern music. And when I think of you, I, I look at your music. I'm, we talked about this the last time. Your Carol of the Bells is it's just iconic. And it's played on radio stations around the world. Every format plays John Tesh in the Christmas season. And I I look at your concert. It's uh, referred to as the infamous Red Rocks concert. You had it going on and you had it going on in the rain, man. How did you do that?
1: That was, since we've been talking about this, that was purely prayer because my, my wife and I uh, self-funded that because PBS, I was not a known musician. And PBS, I was like, well, we'll take a look at it, but we're not going to pay for this uh, because it was expensive. You know, we had to rent this Red Rocks amphitheater to hold 7,000 people. I didn't even have an audience following me for, for concerts. I was on, still on Entertainment Tonight. And uh, we rented the 80-piece Colorado Symphony Orchestra. And then we had, you know, five cameras. We had a full shoot with, you know, with thousands of lights and uh in the middle of that as you said you can see this actually uh oh, yes. on youtube but after 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 four songs with the orchestra it started raining and the orchestra left because they don't like they're not going to sacrifice their violin for john pash in, in the rain right so um we played with just the core band you know drums and bass and, and guitar and piano and and um, we played in the rain and the audience the red rocks audience would not leave they they understood how important this was for us and they put on their slickers and and you know after every song that we were playing in the rain there was no applause because they had an umbrella in one hand, so they couldn't applaud. <laughs> so we just saw the umbrellas go up and down. It looked like a Mary Poppins concert.
0: You know? Oh, so, it is! It's uh, a great concert. And I, I'm yeah. looking at the keyboard you're playing, and you can see the water for crying out loud on the keyboard. Were you ever concerned about electricity and shocked and all that?
1: No, I was. I was more concerned about about losing my life savings. <laughs> 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 to be to be honest. But it was uh, the, the, the great thing that happened was that I, I was doing this whole thing. We just realized we had to keep playing for the audience that wouldn't go anywhere, but they, they shut the cameras down for a lot of it because it, they were so wet. But I just kept praying and I couldn't think of anything. To, it's, it's tough to actually think about anything else while you're playing otherwise you'll mess up so the one thing that i really knew of course by heart was the lord's prayer so i prayed in in my head i prayed the lord's prayer rhythmically you know Mm. in the same rhythm as what i was playing and then after three or four more songs in the rain boom the rain stopped the moon came out this great you know natural fog filled the stage all the orchestra came back and we finished and fast forward to you know a month later after we finished editing it it got that show got tested on a PBS station at midnight in Maryland, and I got the call from the Maryland Public Television uh, program director, and she said that your show just just raised more money than the three tenors, and that that was the start, the real the start of my professional music career, because we went from selling 50 records a month to 50,000.
0: Oh my goodness. That aspect of this story, I did not know. I'm so glad you shared that. And you know, that whole thing of stepping out in faith. I mean, you felt uh, really called to do this. You took the risk, you did it, and it was a God thing. And that's exactly what launched this incredible music career. We've got a, a, enough time left. I've got to ask this question. Now I'm going to show my basketball love on this one because as an NBA player who just loved the whole era of Michael Jordan and all of that, uh, how did the did it come about that you wrote that amazing iconic theme for basketball for NBC?
1: It's um, it's a bizarre story, but but the the, the the basic parts of it were that I was working for CBS Sports covering the Tour de France bike race in 1990. And, you know, I was plugged into that sports world. And, and I was also doing music for the Tour de France as background music, but nobody really knew me as a, as a musician. And so uh, I heard through the grapevine that NBC had had uh, taken the the rights to the NBA basketball television coverage from CBS, and that they were looking for a new theme, and they just put it out there, and they said, "Hey, anybody can can submit a a demo." And I thought, well, here I am competing against Hans Zimmer and and John Williams. You know, that was a that would be a big theme to get. I just said, well, I got, let me just try. You know, so in the middle of the night, I woke up, and I tell this story on stage, and people think it's hilarious because. I have to put a picture of an answering machine on the screen behind me because a lot of people don't even know what the heck that is. Yeah, right. um, the old answering machine with the with the two tapes in it and everything. So, as the story goes, uh, I got this idea in the in the middle of the night, and it was uh, it was a, a theme that I got, and it was and uh, I, I thought, well, if I go to sleep, I didn't have a tape recorder with me. I said, if I go to sleep it'll be gone forever. I won't, I won't remember it. So I, I called my answering machine in the middle of the night from France and left that message on my answering machine. You know, <laughs> and and I, I forgot about, I forgot about it for about a week. But when I got home, I checked my answering machine and, and, and there it was, you know, two parts of the, of the thing that I said, I, I, so I, I put it on the piano, the answering machine. And I, I, I started to pick it out on the piano. And I said, "Wow, this, I may have something here." And I got a couple of my bandmates together, and we played it. And then I got—I have, you know—I got some friends who play violins and cellos, and I got them together, and we made, did like a small orchestra thing of it. And I was going to send it into NDC, but I said, "You know what? I know how these guys think because I was working for CBS at the time. I know how these producers think." So I got into an editing ba- booth. This is before you—you know—the laptops, that right? People could sure. Edit on their laptops. So I got into uh, I, I bought some editing time at a production studio and I got footage of, of Michael Jordan and uh, Magic Johnson and Scotty Pippen and those guys playing basketball uh, from from the television highlights. And I figured out that that a Michael Jordan fast break was 131 beats per minute, a little faster than disco. So I edited I, I, I edited the, uh, my song. I set the computer to what well, it was a, it was a radio shack computer at that point to uh, 231 beats per minute mixed the song and then i edited uh, the video of all of these fast breaks to that to that song that i had mixed. Oh. so i didn't submit a I didn't submit a cassette tape to, to dick ebersole at nbc sports i submitted a vhs tape isn't it so they got they got the tape and so they were able and he, and he talks about it in his book which he just released he was able to see the theme fully formed, like the way they would they would put it on the air. So there was nothing left to the imagination. And that's how I ended up, you know, scoring that theme. For it ran for what 25 years. Or yeah,
0: time. and it's iconic. And I'm, I'm I look at the comments on YouTube about it. Everybody wants those days back again because there's just something yeah. sweet yeah. and memorable and comfortable and just yeah. downright exciting about it, man. It's one of the best things. Yeah. I've ever heard in sports, and it's it's so much, uh, it's just so great that I, I just love it, and I'm grateful that you, uh, you've just given, I think, every budding songwriter uh, a little insight on maybe a, a way of thinking out of the box when they're going to submit a demo, and that's exactly what you did. You thought out of the box, and you came up with a VHS plan instead of a cassette tape
1: yeah and we'll actually tell that story w- with with video on stage when we're uh, when we're playing at the villages cuz people just want to even if even if, though it's christmas people just want to hear that story and, it, it, and and you know what's really wild is that there are more opportunities now for musicians than there were because now you can come up with an idea and you can put it on youtube and somebody discovers it and all of a sudden boom you're you're uh, Justin Bieber, which is how they how he got discovered.
0: That's exactly right, and that's the way a lot of artists are, have come about. John Tesh is indeed coming to the villages, and it's on Wednesday, December seventh, at seven p.m. at the Savannah Center. John, what can people expect there that night?
1: Uh, I mean, you were talking about you know having uh, uh, lamenting for the good old days when you sit in that audience. You're going to feel like you're back in the 1950s and 1960s. That's our goal for this concert. That's why we call it a jazzy swing and Christmas. And it is the good old days of Christmas music. And that's that that's that's our goal. And I'm pretty sure we're going to hit it.
0: I think you will, too. Now, I have to ask. I'm sure it is. But Carol of the Bells is on the uh, the playlist, right?
1: Yeah, not only is it on the playlist, but we're going to play it for about eight minutes because we, we, we open up, we open up the, uh, the middle section of it so people can can hear these incredible musicians that I bring with me, hear, hear them um, stretch out a little bit with solos.
0: Wow, that is really going to be an incredible night. Again, if you'd like uh, ticket information, all you need to do is go to tickets.thevillages.com. That's tickets.thevillages.com com Follow the prompts. John Tesh, Wednesday night, December 7th at 7 p.m. John, thank you for spending this time with me today.
1: This has been great therapy for me. I really appreciate it. You know, it's funny because you sometimes you don't know how you feel about it. You don't walk around, right, uh, at an airport going, oh, I feel this way about this, or I feel that way about this. When you're talking to a great interviewer, like, you especially when I got a chance to nerd out, you you, you do see a little bit more inside your own heart. So I, I appreciate the time together.
0: Well, I look forward to our next chat together, John, and we're excited to have you come to Central Florida and can't wait for it. Thanks, buddy. Friends, we'll be back in just a moment with one more segment here on Afternoons with Mike. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, E.C. Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Welcome back to Segment 3, and I'm at the Christian Chamber with my good buddy, Scotty Moore. Scotty ran for Congress, and was a winner in the primary but came up just a bit short in the general election first of all thank you for all that you did my friend
2: my pleasure thank you for the opportunity to be on the show and greetings to all the listeners here god bless you all you
0: know scotty i know that you uh, really had this in your heart this is something that you did in wanting to represent the people of your district Uh, it was it was there it was something that you worked hard for and i know You worked long for too this was not just like a little flash in the pan for you right i mean you you were given it right
2: yes yeah and so uh there's a few things number one i think uh, when there's a burden on our heart i think oftentimes we we enter into prayer and we pray and we ask the lord what should i do with this you know if we see a problem in our world or within our community we're trying to figure out what do we do in response And uh, one of the things that I've been teaching my girls, and and we just know, one of the things, I worked with Campus Crusade for Christ, my wife and I, for over 20 years, that Bill Bright taught us is uh, just being listening and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so when we hear the voice of God, the question is, is do we listen? Just like Samuel, he had to learn to listen. But then when we listen we have two choices. We either obey what we believe the Lord is calling us to do or disobey. And it's better to obey what I've learned in my, my, my Christian walk. And so, but if you really obey, then what are you willing, are you willing to go all in, you know, not kind of this dual minded kind of half in one step in, you know, I've got a plan B if it doesn't work out, not that plan B's aren't good or bad. I'm just saying I was all in and invested and we worked tremendously hard. And I think if anyone were to follow us on social media, scotty more for congress it's still on facebook instagram twitter you can see the videos and stuff we went all in and we care deeply about our nation and we believe there's a good versus evil battle happening right now and we were trying to protect the families and protect our communities protect marriages protect kids mm-hmm. uh protect parents rights all of these things uh, biblical principles that i think are so crucial for america to continue to succeed
0: yours like many others were very close uh, in count i mean you're Account was about 48%. And that's just right under what it needed to be to be the winner here. And you realize uh, this being your first election, you did very well. You need to know that. You need to be encouraged by that. Uh, that uh, that effort was not gone uh, as nothing. And it, it was something that you did very strong in showing. So with that, uh, here's a question. Uh, have, you, uh, have you been able to think about the future to wonder, is there another race in you for, uh, let's say in a couple of years or after that?
2: Well, uh, knowing me, if you know me, I really only have an on or off switch. There's really no. And so I, 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 as much as I've been counseled to tell that I need to rest and I do in fact need to rest, uh, I can't not think about that. And so Uh, I do believe that perhaps the Lord has something in the future, but I'm trying to not get ahead of the Lord and Mm -hmm. try to stay in step with the spirit. I've, I've have a tendency to, to, in my excitement and zeal to get ahead. And so just, we're going to stay in step, you know, it's been a long, hard run. And, and many people I think underestimate the cost, uh, not just for the candidate, but also for the family and, uh, for a number of things and our personal finances. And so, uh, but again, if you're going to fight for our nation, whether it's on the battlefield in the military, or if it's, uh, on the front lines and Christian mission there's a cost. And, um, I think that shouldn't go underestimated, but I do believe that uh, that call was not just a one and done type of thing. And so we're just trying to figure out next steps, but I have a deep burden for representing our nation, protecting and fighting for our nation, uh, in this, in this reality. And I, I do feel like there could be a, a run in the future we're just trying to figure out the next steps and i could use your prayers. so please uh welcome to pray for me
0: when you look back over the whole course of the campaign and all that you did all the places you went and traveled to and all the people that you met is there a single event or uh, maybe an occurrence during this past year that you would say yeah that that is one of the highlights of that campaign
2: Well, I mean, I I would say specifically a highlight has been just meeting each and every individual. We went all over District 9. In fact, we went all over Central Florida. Uh, And I think my my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter show that. And so, uh, had a lot of conversations with individuals, a bunch of patriots who are deeply burdened, like ourselves, about what's happening. And so, uh, very encouraged. Uh, I'll say this though, conversely, I'm also somewhat discouraged with a few things. Uh, and as we move forward, if we really want the change that we, I think many of us who are listening want, it's going to take our involvement. It's going to take more than just uh, getting a person to run. I hear a lot of excitement. Yeah, Scotty, run again, run. Uh, but it's a really lonely thing to run because not that many people actually show up to help. Uh, and it takes more than just, mm-hmm. you know, we raised a lot of money, but we didn't have help from the party. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't think we were going to win as far as because it was a quote unquote blue seat. I I think looking back, people said they will probably think that we missed an opportunity because we could have flipped this seat. And I really think we could have. But uh, as you're wanting change, I guess the question is, is what are we willing to do to get the results that we need? And so uh, that's been the unfortunate part, even within the Christian church. I think a lot of us are deeply burdened, but many and I, I was in the nonprofit world. So I mean, I was kind of felt like an insider here, but many, many churches secretly wanted change but didn't want to publicly say anything and i'm not trying to say vote republican or vote democrat or red or blue but really godly principles you know who and, and even just have an opportunity to present in front of the congregation and so you know i'm really encouraged by what the patriots that i met on the but also a little discouraged with the fact that it's a lonely road and if we're gonna see the change we're gonna need really god's people to to pray and help and serve and and give and really be a part of that change.
0: Were you surprised or did the way things go in Florida uh, with the the big races of governor and Senator Marco Rubio's race, were you surprised or did that pretty much go down as you thought it would?
2: No, I mean, look at, you look at Governor DeSantis, I just saw a stat recently, we all kind of could intuitively see that amazing things were happening and he's led well and, but uh, he, Governor DeSantis, won the largest margin in the governor's race in florida history i mean it was the largest It was it was a tsunami uh and senator rumio did very very well as well and so uh of course there were a ton of people moving here and there's a lot of energy in that but of course you also got to recognize that i think there was redistricting that happened this year and so when we first spoke there were new there were old lines and then the new lines got drawn and so what we had 16 Republican seats in Congress and 12 Democrat seats and the, the new lines that the governor's map created brought 20 Republican seats in theory and eight Democrat seats. And so what they did is essentially they made those 12 seats and they turned them into four more blue seats, mm-hmm. uh, much more difficult to win. And they said, as a result, we're going to have four more red seats that are going to be easier to win. And so I was one of the blue seats, which is harder. And so the unfortunate part is I think many people, just assumed that, hey, this is a blue seat, so we're not gonna even win. I really wish uh, Governor DeSantis and Senator Rubio would have remembered or or campaigned on our behalf a little bit. Uh, I think they just assumed and believed that we weren't gonna win. And they were so popular and so well known. And by the way, they had spent so much money. I mean, they'd raised a lot of money. I think we all saw the ads on TV and everywhere. I mean, you couldn't escape them. So his name was out there and so had we had a little bit of help from there, I think we could have really crossed that hump. I'm not trying to place blame in there, but again, it was a pretty lonely road as we're pushing forward, yet we we came so close.
0: What do you see now for 2024? What kind of trend do you think will happen in America with regard to the shift now that the House has at least gone with the majority toward the Republicans? Do you see that being a, a, a maybe a, a real work, kind of a, effective uh, stopper for some of the left's movement?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be a stopper to a certain degree. I think what we'll have is is more of some stalemates. And so, uh, you know, the way it's set up is the House has a tremendous power, whoever has the majority. And so we'll be putting forward, if I were in there, too, uh, a lot of America first policies uh, pushing forward what we need working towards energy independence, working towards securing our border, working towards uh, really getting our economy back in order and up and swing. And so we'll see if the Senate and even uh, what President Biden does with this veto, and they'll have to explain why they didn't wanna pass that perhaps. And so we'll have a back and forth in that. Uh, I just saw a statistic that we have given $96 billion to the Ukraine. And so, uh, and I care about the Ukraine and, and it doesn't. But we need to get the world involved and not us. You know, we, we should not have just an indefinite push. And so if I were in Congress, I would have voted no, because we need to protect. Listen, I, I re, we need to protect the homeland. And one of the things I think of a good leader needs to care for his or her people. And, and if you're a business owner, oh you God. can understand this. If you're okay, a home in your budget, you understand this, that. We can be philanthropic and generous, but you can't do it at the expense of harming your family or your people or your church first. You, you you first provide for your people, and then in abundance you give out. And so, we've got that backwards. We're 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 a fiscal mess. It's a national security risk. You got China, Iran. You got Russia. You got uh. We have a a lot a lot of issues that we need to deal on the home front. So I'm hoping that the the House of Representatives start putting forward some some serious. Uh, bills, and hopefully they make it through the, the the Senate, and we'll see what President Biden does. He'll have a choice. We need to get back to energy independence. We need to start having some investigations and understanding what's going on. We should not, uh, in fact, the House controls the the purse and for funding, and so we should not fund 87,000 new IRS agents. Instead, what we should do is invest in protecting our borders and other common sense things. So these are things that if I were elected, I would have been pushing forward, and then I really hope Uh, We're going to do. Unfortunately, it's a narrow margin in 2024. It's going to be a presidential run. And so we're going to hear a lot of talk about that moving forward. Unfortunately, I believe we're weaker instead of stronger. I believe a lot of things that are happening on the international stage are because people don't believe that we're going to be strong. Uh, And so all of these things are going to be talked about. And that's going to be a part of the congressional run this next cycle. It's going to
0: be interesting to see, because it's easy when you're campaigning for something, as what the Republicans who have been wanting a House majority, it's easy to to say the things that you want to have change. Uh, the proof is in the pudding now, and they have that majority. Correct. So it will be interesting, will it not, to see if they're able to push through some of the changes that... Have been discussed.
2: You're absolutely right. In fact, one of the things that I was very proud of is to be endorsed by Mr. Mark Meadows, uh, President Trump's chief of staff. He and Senator Jim DeMint are the leaders of the Conservative Partnership Institute (CPI), which uh, deal with the House Freedom Caucus. And the House Freedom Caucus is a caucus uh, with uh, Senator uh, Congressman Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren bobart and uh, Scott Perry and uh, many many uh, patriots who are very strong in their beliefs and also very strong, uh, uh, dare I say, uh, Judeo, uh, Judeo-Christian beliefs in trying to push forward. And so I, I believe that they need to be held accountable, that, listen, they have they have responsibility now that they're in power to what are they going to be putting forward as far as mm-hmm. good legislation. And, and part of our job as we the people is to hold them accountable to that.
0: You said the right thing. I mean, that's where it is. It's supposed to be in the hands of we the people not we the congress not we the presidency or whatever so there's a a great call to return to the foundation to the roots to the basics of our country
2: yes uh 100 and in as much as it's daunting task to run every two years for congress the wisdom in our founding fathers was to have a strong short leash on that and so that if congress were to get out of control that we have an opportunity as we the people to recall them and get new leadership in and so they need to be held accountable we need to make sure that they're pushing forward and putting america first and again i say that having a brazilian wife it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that i don't care about the rest of the country i lived overseas in brazil so like i've been around i traveled throughout south america i have many many friends there but you need to put america first It doesn't mean all Americans, people living in this country. We need to make sure that we're thriving as a country uh, and we can be philanthropic and generous. But if we're not doing that, we need to hold our Congress accountable. And we have an out of control government right now that was never intended to be this way. It's an administrative state that's really out of control, restricting our freedoms. And we must uh, scale that back, bring it back to the states, states' rights, states' powers. And... uh, and really allow the federal government, but having limited limited capacity, and and that's where I think we really thrive. And and the basis of that is our freedoms, our God-given freedoms are so important. We need to fight for that.
0: I agree, Scotty Moore. Thank you for being with us today on this, uh, this big day. We are here at the chamber meeting and uh, hearing big things going on in the city. We are grateful for you, for the big things that you've done, I know, in representing the call of God on your life, in representing your desire to serve our country. Thank you for that, my friend.
2: Yes, and thank you so much. I'll just finish with this. One of the things that Bill Bright taught me was that we define success as taking the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit after having listened to the Lord and obeying him. So we take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results with God. And so I pray that everyone who is listening to this, that you surrender your life, if you haven't already, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is impossible to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. He is our power source. And so while I do not understand, and I wish the outcome would have been different, I leave the results with the Lord, and we continue to push forward and to protect our great nation and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Scotty Moore, friends, thanks for being with me today
0: on Afternoons with Mike. We'll catch you next time right here on The Shepherd.